This morning, if you turn your Bibles over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and what I want to do this morning is uh, look with you at a word, and that word is fidelity. Fidelity. Would you say that with me? Fidelity. It, as most of us know, is the uh, motto and slogan of the uh, U.S. Marine Corps, as Semper Fi, which basically translates into always faithful, always faithful. Fidelity is a powerful word. And in the Word of God, the word fidelity is replaced uh, by the word most of us should know and understand. That word is faithful. Would you repeat that word with me? Faithful. faithful. And this morning what I want to do is I want to use that word faithful as well as fidelity in context of the marriage between a man and a woman as defined by the word of God. As a man is defined and a woman is defined by the word of God. Why is that so critical and important? Well, for the most part, most of us are not ignorant to the fact that uh, those two uh, categories have been redefined. In fact, uh, even in the highest levels of, of, of our social uh, and, and um, our, our levels of justice systems, uh, the word woman isn't able to be defined. That person has a hard time, even though she is a woman, defining what a woman is. In fact, it's come to the place and to the, 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 the level to where even uh, it's being said that uh, a man can get pregnant and can even have abortions. And, and so uh, this is a, a segment of our society that is wanting to change the tradition and uh, the creation of God, you and I, humanity. And what we need to do is to make sure as uh, Christians, as we are, not allow ourselves to be swayed or influenced by new definitions, new thought processes, uh, or no matter from what level of the highest forms of government they may come from, we stand by God's word when it comes to creation and what God defines as a man and uh, a woman. And so it's so critical this morning that we understand uh, that faithfulness and fidelity in marriage uh, is what we need to strive for as the people of God, especially in today's climate of permissiveness because of the internet and the pornography and the access of films and movies, etc., that are out there. It uh, is an assault against uh, the institution of fidelity in the marriage and faithfulness uh, between a man and uh, a woman. I read some statistics uh, be, in preparing this sermon, <clears throat> and it said, according to information collected by the 2018 General Society survey, 20% of married men and 13% of married women have slept with someone other than their partner. And it gave some reasoning why. Why women cheat? Well, for women, the reason behind cheating uh, 
on her husband is not because of sex. It's said that most women cheat for an emotional connection. This fact is quite common amongst women over the age of 30. It's been found that women can have an emotional relationship with someone other, uh, with some other person without taking it to the physical level. And so in other words, they're involved in emotional adultery for the most part. But yet, even so, women, it seems, the statistics says, are catching up on um, having affairs uh, with uh, other men. That's why women cheat. Now, why do men cheat? Well, you don't have to be a brain scientist to figure that one out, right? Usually men cheat for one single primary reason, and that is because of sex. You figured it out. Why? Because after children are born, so many men do not see their wives uh, uh, as uh, sex objects anymore, but rather they just find them as maternal figures. I apologize for that statement. Ladies, but that's, that's what statistics say. Everyone in this building understands and knows what it is and what it feels like to be tempted by the opposite sex, especially in the areas of sexual issues and sexual matters. And if you're single this morning and you're not married, you also need to take heed and listen to what I'm going to be speaking about this morning because it affects you also as a single person. Now, I, before I get into the word this morning, I want you to understand that um, when we stand here and preach the word of God as ministers, whoever that might be, and as preachers of the gospel, we are doing it to help you. We are doing it to help you to prevent yourself, your marriage from falling into a tragedy, from you as an individual to being hurt. No matter what the topic is, this morning it happens to be marriage as well as fidelity and, and faithfulness in that uh, institution. But yet, there are so many other topics that we speak about. And we speak about them in order to help you, to teach you, and to instruct you. It's not uh, trying to call you out as a, as a bad individual or to, to shame you, but it's to uh, bring knowledge to your life so that the spiritual warfare that we are involved in as Christians because we are involved in a spiritual warfare against the enemy of our soul, Satan, and his demonic strategies and influences. And because of that battle and warfare, we need to be prepared and uh, we need to know what God's Word says in every area of our lives. Can you say amen this morning? So the title of this message that I, I'm going to preach is called uh, Total Fidelity. Total Fidelity. And it's out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 4. The writer of Hebrews says this, these words. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. 
And so this morning, as uh, we talk about marriage and uh, the marriage uh, uh, process, when we have weddings in our church, as the bride walks down the aisle and the groom walks, uh, is standing waiting to receive his bride, that whole wedding ceremony is filled with hope and with promise. But yet this morning, we need to understand and, and get to the facts of uh, what marriage is all about. And in order to keep a marriage together, it involves far more than just hope. And uh, involves what we call a commitment to faithfulness and fidelity to your husband and to your wife. Complete commitment and fidelity and faithfulness includes your mind, it includes your body, and it even includes your intentions, your thoughts. Complete fidelity and faithfulness means uh, simply that no one else gets to experience you in any special way that involves fidelity or faithfulness that is completely reserved for your husband or your wife. You see, and that's what the Word of God teaches us. And unfortunately, that is what society is saying does not matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore that uh, if you can't be with the one you love, then love the one you're with. Didn't they make a song about that somewhere? In Proverbs chapter 5 and in verse 15, and I'm talking to married couples here and singles, just keep your ears open, because 90% of you at one point in time in your life will be married. So it's probably a good time to, uh, as I used to say, get the tape. For those of you oldies understand what I'm talking about. Or you can download it off the website. But Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 15 says this. Be faithful. Fidelity. Have that in your life to your own wife and give your love to her Alone. Let me read that again. Be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. Fidelity is the opposite of what? Come on, you can say the word. It's not going to kill you. Infidelity. It's hard for folks to say that. wonder why. So I want to talk to you about fidelity and faithfulness in your marriage. Sexuality and loyalty in the marriage bed. Because God gave sex to you and I for our pleasure in the correct context. And that is in the context of marriage. It's beautiful. But yet something so beautiful and intimate and unique can become extremely dangerous. It's like fire. Fire is wonderful in a fireplace or in a fire pit. But as we've seen recently in the news reports, it can be devastating and destructive out of its boundary and its intended place of use. And so this morning what I want to do is look with you at some ways that will help us to remain faithful to our spouse. And when I say spouse, I'm talking about 
husband, male, wife, female. And I promise you it's simple. It's not really too hard to understand. Just simple truths concerning a life and the word of God. And when you follow them, you'll be able to experience a, a lasting and amazing relationship with your husband or your wife. So what does it take to have a faithful marriage? Number one, I used the word before, it takes a commitment to God's standard. A commitment to God's standard. In Psalm chapter 1 and verse 19, the question is asked, how can a young man or how can a man keep his way pure? And the answer is by living according to your word. Not the word of Dr. Field, not the word uh, of whoever's out there writing the latest book or the latest blog concerning marriage who knows nothing, uh, has no relationship about God. But it's according uh, keeping you a peer by God's word. The key word is commitment, committing yourself to God's standard. And it seems like no one wants to commit to anything anymore. It seems like that word commitment uh, has become something of, of a word that, that causes uh, distress and it makes people feel uncomfortable. And there's a standard that God's word gives us concerning marriage. And that standard uh, is fidelity and faithfulness and commitment. And when we do commit to God's standard, we'll experience blessing and we'll experience success and uh, uh, God's fruitfulness in that relationship. And so what, what can we do to, to help us to stay committed, to implement commitment into our relationship? Well, number one, what you can do is share with your spouse your commitment to God's standard for marriage. Talk to them about it and let them know, honey, you know what? I'm committed to God's word uh, in my life when it comes to you. I am going to be faithful to you. I am going to be trustworthy to you. And you don't have to worry about that. Talk to them. Communicate with your husband or your wife about commitment. Let them know that you are committed to God's standard when it comes to marriage and uh, when it comes to sex. And what this will do it will bring peace into that relationship and trust, which is the glue which holds that relationship together. The second thing you can do, aside from sharing with your husband or wife, is that you can share it with your friends, those that you hang around with, those that you go out with, and let them know that you are committed to God's standard concerning marriage and concerning sex. Why is that important to share with your friends? Well, because we need to develop safeties around us. Develop those boundaries around us. Why? Because most of the affairs that take place take place with people you already know and associate with uh, for the most part throughout uh, the day. So it's so important uh, that you share with those friends and those people, those workmates, that person you work with, 
that person you go to school with. Send them a signal that you are committed to your husband, committed to your wife because of the standard of God's word, and you're telling them, I am off limits. So now, if you're single, God's word regarding sex, faithfulness, and fidelity also applies to you because you're married to Jesus. You are the bride of Christ. And just as a husband and wife are married to each other and their expectation of fidelity and faithfulness, so that expectation extends to you as a, a single individual. For married couples, the word adultery is used to define sex outside of marriage. The word of the Bible for a single is called fornication. Repeat that word with me. It's the same thing. Basically means having sex outside of the marriage relationship. So if you're single, I'm telling you today, God's word says it is wrong. And I know that we live in a promiscuous society and it doesn't matter anymore uh, whether you do or, you know, what you do and who you do it with. It is still wrong until you get married and put a ring uh, on your finger. And so as a single adult, when you enter into a Christ-based relationship with the opposite sex, let them know right up front before you even get started uh, that I live by God's standard, uh, and what that means uh, is that there's no sex before we get married, if that's ever going to happen. And if you're so concerned about how they're going to respond and you're worried if they're going to let you go, well then, I guarantee you, girl, the jerk isn't worth it. <laughs> Not worth it. And that even goes for, for guys, too, because I guarantee you there's some girls that are, 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 are more hot dogs than guys are. <laughs> so the first step to developing faithfulness in your marriage relationship or your relationship with Jesus Christ, is to make a commitment to God's standard. Secondly, what you need to do, expand, magnify the consequence of that adulterous affair. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32, it says that the one who commits adultery is an utter fool for he destroys his own soul. It's destructive to a person's soul and spirit. It's powerful scripture, isn't it? And what, and what this means is that nothing damages the emotions like sexual sin outside of the marriage relationship. And what we need to understand is that when you start to develop and to get into an affair with the opposite sex other than your spouse, the consequences of that affair 
are going to be so much more severe than you could ever imagine. More destructive than you can ever imagine. Because if you could see the consequences, I guarantee you, you would keep from becoming emotionally and physically entangled with someone other than your spouse. Because down the line, after the thrill of that relationship is done and finished, too many people end up crying and weeping and saying, if I could only just turn the clock back, if I could just have that one day over again, I wish I wouldn't have done what I did. But see the destructiveness and, and, and the sad thing about it is that that clock cannot be turned back. The deed has already been done. And I'm telling you this for the reason why we preach, why I preach like this. Because in today's society, it is so available for people to fall into the wrong kinds of relationships with the opposite sex. And if you're not going to hear it from here, then I guarantee you, you're not going to hear it on the news you're not going to hear it on, on, on the radio, and you're not going to read it in the newspapers. And this is because uh, God's Word needs to be the standard, the foundation upon which we build all relationships, especially the marriage relationship. And we teach like this so we can prevent those kinds of things from happening, because after it's done... It's really too late. It's not too late for God's forgiveness. It's not too late for repentance and for God to begin to heal. But the emotional, the spiritual, and physical damage will have already been done. And so the best way not to get involved in that whole process of affairs and adultery is to magnify it. Look at it. What, what the consequences are going to be at the beginning instead of sadly at the end. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 26. It says adultery will cost a man all he has. And when it says a man, it, it, all, it just means a person. Because it'll, it, it'll cause a woman the same heartache and destructiveness that it does a man. The third thing we need to do to remain faithful and loyal and experience fidelity in the marriage relationship, women and men, is to learn to manage our minds. Learn to take control of your mind. Because we know that the mind is the battlefield that we all have to fight in. That's where the battle begins, is right here between the years. If you want to be faithful to your spouse, understand that's where affairs develop and that's where they start to grow and take, take seed. Because when we let down our guard and begin to accept sinful thoughts in our mind, begin to allow sinful images to come into our minds. Eventually, it will progress 
into something much deeper that will begin to take control physically. In James chapter 1 and in verse 14, and in verse 15 it says, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. That's what Satan did to Eve. He enticed her. He deceived her. He manipulated her. Then after the enticement comes, the scripture says, then after desire has conceived or given birth, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And this is what happens in the marriage relationship when we lose control of our thought processes and we don't manage our minds correctly. What begins to happen is that those things begin to plant seeds in our lives and begin to give birth to desires and begin to drag us away from God's truth and eventually conceive or give birth to deception and sin eventually and brings death to that relationship, brings death to that marriage, brings death to, to, to that fidelity that God wants to, to be established in that marriage. See, this, uh, this, this morning, there is a tremendous assault against the minds of our young people today in this culture. That's why Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 22, Run, flee youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, because with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Get involved with those folks. Surround yourself with people who are living right with God, who are not involved in the craziness of this world, no matter what they think about you or what they say about you. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is you're going to have to be your own thought policeman. You're going to have to learn to police your own life and your own mind, your own thinking as a single person as well as a, a married individual. As a single person, and I even say this for married couples, uh, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, if you want to keep your mind on the right track, if you want to avoid the traps of the enemy, get involved in some kind of ministry, helping somebody else, serving somebody else. Because what that will do is it will help you to keep your mind straight and off your own self. And it'll help you to start focusing on encouraging somebody, helping somebody. What do they say? Idle minds, idle hands is the devil's workshop. And the way to avoid that is to start looking for a place where you can start helping. Next, 
after you learn to manage your mind, which, which this is a big, huge factor in this next point that I'm going to be bringing out, is uh, beware of emotional involvements. Beware of emotional involvements outside of your marriage relationship. What is an emotional involvement? It is uh, where there is no real physical, sexual uh, involvement physically at first, but there's an attachment to that individual emotionally. You know, with non-Christians, they just cut to the chase and get in the bed. But for Christians, they know it's wrong to physically commit adultery. So what, what the easy thing to do, if we're not careful, is to start fantasizing about it and start to have a emotional affairs. I wonder what it would be like to be with that person. I wonder what it would be like to be a part of that person's life. And there's an emotional attachment that starts taking place. And you spend too much time in that area. And we begin to convince ourselves that it's okay, I'm not actually committing adultery. But Jeremiah says uh, that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And we begin to say things like, well, you know what, if my, my husband or my wife uh, were meeting my needs, I wouldn't be fantasizing about them. See, the pattern of emotional involvement starts with familiarity. Familiarity. Then it transitions to feelings. And then those feelings start to, to become more frequent. And there's a frequency involved uh, in the familiarity in those feelings, which ultimately lead uh, to failure in the marriage relationship or in your relationship with uh, Jesus Christ. And so there are good reasons to not get entangled emotionally with anyone else uh, but your husband, your wife, or with Jesus Christ as a single. The reasons, uh, good reasons, is because you love God, number one. How many of us a good reason? I mean, is that, is that like you need a, a, a degree to figure that one out? Why shouldn't I have an affair? Well, because you love God. Oh, okay. The second reason is because you love your spouse. That's not a hard one to figure out. And then the third reason is maybe could be the first one is because you have a healthy fear of the judgment of God. Right? Because we understand that God's word is truth. So we may be able to rationalize for a period of time in our mind, but yet we won't be able to rationalize it when we stand before God. Hebrews 13, 4 says, God will judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So let's transition this out, close this sermon out. Some of you are going, <laughs> Marriage maintenance. It's a good note to end on, isn't it? So how do I maintain that faithfulness now? How do I maintain that fidelity in my marriage relationship with my husband, my wife, and even as a single with Jesus Christ? Well, like anything else, like your car, your house, uh, 
whatever it is you have, you have to take care of it. You have to maintain it. It takes constant work. It's not a, when you come down the aisle, I do and I'm done, and you're set for the rest of your life. There's maintenance that has to take place. Let me take an informal survey without raising your hands because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. How many of you would say, Pastor, it's a lot easier to get married than it is to stay married? Uh-oh, okay, there you go. Nobody rose a hand, but we heard it. It takes work, work. And the Bible says that we need to learn to satisfy each other's needs spiritually, emotionally, as well as even physically. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 and verse 5 says, A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a wife should fulfill her duty as a wife. And each of you should satisfy each other's needs. Do not deprive one another. And so there are qualifications, obviously, to that. And someone wrote a book entitled uh, His Needs and Her Needs. And uh, in that book, it was the top five uh, needs of most men and the top five needs of most women. Let's look at the five top needs of most men. Number one, you guessed it. <laughs> Sexual fulfillment. Second, recreational companionship. They want a bud. Three, here's the other one you should have guessed, an attractive spouse. Number four, domestic support. Number five, men need admiration. Men want to be admired, egocentric men. All of us got an ego, right? Top five needs of most women. Number one, affection. Affection. What does that word mean to most men? Sex. But actually, affection simply means warmth, care, friendliness. Dude, they want you to be friendly. <laughs> they want you to care. Affection needs explanation to at least half the guys in here, I guess. Talking about tender love, hugs, pats, and kisses. Not, but not talking about making a touchdown or scoring a goal. So the number one thing a woman desires is affection. Secondly, conversation. That's what they want. Number three. Uh, this is getting good. You're getting good. Number three. They just want you to be honest and open with them. Tell them the truth. Speak honesty. Number four. Get a job. They want financial support. <laughs> Get to work, guys. <laughs> and then number five, they want you to be committed to the family. There's that word again, commitment. So what's the big deal? Why is there a problem with these, 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 these men and these women's needs? Because if you look at the first five needs of a man and the, and the first five needs of, of a woman, they don't even come close to being the same as each other. They're worlds apart. What's the problem? I'll tell you, when a man gets married, he thinks like a man, right? That's because he hasn't been trained yet by his wife. <laughs> so he still thinks like a man. Give him a break, ladies. So what does that mean? 
He tries to meet his wife's needs according to how he wants his needs met. And when a woman gets married, she thinks like a woman. And she tries to meet her husband's needs according to how she feels her needs need to be met. And that's why you get marriage problems. And so the answer is the Word of God. And turning to God's standard. And if you're really going to maintain your marriage, then what you need to do so through is being a good friend to your husband and to your wife. Because how many know people divorce husbands and wives, but they never divorce their friends? You ever know anybody that filed a, a, a divorce to their friend? I'm divorcing you. You're not my friend anymore. Well, okay, Facebook, they, un, they, un, they unfriend them and stuff like that. But, you know, they don't go through all the issues of going to court. Make your husband, make your wife a good friend. I've been with Sister Nancy 53 years this July. She's my best friend. How have we made it? How have we survived? And those of you who have been married longer than us, how have you survived? You took a lot of work, right, babe? Right? Took a lot of work, and we're friends. I mean, because we're, I mean, for the past 40 years, we're together every day, all day, in ministry, every day, including weekends, <laughs> holidays. <laughs> how do you survive that? Work, yes. And we're friends. So have the best friendship right in the middle of your marriage. It's going to succeed. So protect yourself from affairs. I want the uh, worship team to make their way up this morning. Protect yourself from devastation, from brokenness, from destruction. Communicate with your husband, your wife. Communication, not just, you know, blah, 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 blah. But be honest, be open about where you are and what's going on. Secondly, avoid being alone with someone of the opposite sex. That's huge. Don't, don't find yourself in a place, in a private place with the opposite sex. You're in trouble if you continue to do that. I make sure I don't have any women in my office by themselves if it's, my wife's not there at all, anywhere, any room, etc., and so on, because I don't want any lie of the enemy coming in, trashing my relationship or my testimony. So don't put yourself in a place where you're alone with the opposite sex. Speak positively about your spouse around other people. Why is that important? Because when you talk negatively about them in a group or with other people around, what you're doing is opening the door and letting people know you're not happy. And they're guaranteed the devil will always put someone there to say, hmm, here's my opportunity to try to put a smile on their face. And I guarantee you there's plenty of those kind of people at your husband's work and your wife's work. And so what you need to do is to make sure you speak positively wherever you are about your husband or your wife. And then lastly, choose your friends carefully. Be careful who you run with, who you hang around with. Married men, married women. 
when you find yourself in places at those Christmas parties, when you find yourself in places at, at those events, when your spouse isn't around, be careful who you link up with. Bad company corrupts good character, is what the Bible says. And lastly, look beyond the temptation and focus on the consequences. How is this going to affect my children, my destiny, my family, my relationship with God? Simple truths this morning, not hard to understand, but yet the spiritual warfare that we're in, there's a battle to put them into practice. Total fidelity always faithful as we bow our heads before the Lord.